Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the Fact Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am Fact's Vice President of Community Relations. Before we start today, I would like to give a heartfelt thank you to Amun for sponsoring FACT's Roundtable podcast. We're sitting down one year later with nationally certified school nurse Robin Kogan. Robin's commentary has been featured on CNN and the New York Times. We'll be exploring tips on how to work with your school nurse, and we're going to be looking at updates to life with COVID in the school setting and how to approach your food allergy-related school accommodations. Welcome back to Facts Roundtable podcast, Robin. We're absolutely delighted to have you back. We really appreciate your time to discuss how families can successfully work with their school nurses to update their food allergy accommodations. Oh, I'm so glad to be back here. Thank you for inviting me. And believe it or not, here we are about to enter our fourth year impacted by COVID. It is unbelievable. I can't even get my head around that. It is it is mind numbing, but here we are. And I, I feel like some of this will be a repeat of our prior conversations because we have serious considerations to look at in regard to COVID and students and food allergy and anaphylaxis in school. Well, that's why we're so grateful to have you here. And now listeners, Robin is not your everyday school nurse hero. Nope, she is very different. Her work expands our nation. So Robin, before we dive into our topic, can you share with listeners your fascinating background? Thank you for saying that. I I am actually a very typical school nurse, but I don't think people understand enough about the scope of our work. And that's why five years ago now, I started a blog called The Relentless School Nurse, more for to share stories from my health office, but to also really amplify the voice of school nurses across the country. And I'm happy to say that I think it has made a difference over these last five years. I think I've published almost 800 blogs. Lots of them are guest posts by other school nurses. And more than 400,000 people have downloaded them and viewed them. So I think it's making its way across the country to really talk about the importance of having a school nurse in every building. Even prior to COVID, 25% of schools in this country have no school nurse. So as of parents of children with food allergies, that should be a very scary thought. 35% of schools only have a part-time nurse. So that's 60% of schools with either no nurse or only part-time coverage. And then the 40% where there is maybe a full-time school nurse, our ratios are very high. And COVID has added, truthfully, another layer of a full-time job onto what school nurses are already doing. I appreciate, you know, the shout out, but I am one of 95,000 nurses trying to take care of about 56 million children. 
Speaking from my spot as an allergy parent, thank you so much. When we hand our kids over at kindergarten, as you know, that's totally nerve-wracking, and we know the school nurse is the one who is driving the safety. I mean, teachers follow, but they follow what you help establish with us. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. But what happens when we're not present, right? That's the thing. And that's the voice that I really would love to talk about the power of the voice of the parent in this conversation about student safety, because this is safety. This is food safety. This is school safety. This is our kids feeling like they're in a safe, nurturing, inclusive environment. And what does that look like, especially if a child who has a food allergy? That's it. Exactly. So let's get started. As we learn to live with COVID at school, is there anything you feel families should understand right now about the impact of the pandemic and their goal to update school food allergy accommodations? You had just mentioned earlier, you know, we're going into our fourth year here, which is just mind-blowing, but what should we be looking at right now? For example, when COVID started, you know, we all went into isolation. Then when the students started to return to school, there was eating in the classroom to try to separate the students. So on that topic, what is it that you would like us to know? Yeah, so I think what's always important is to do an annual update. If anything's changed, if a child has actually challenged out of their food allergy, right? Anything that's changed in their medical condition or in what the accommodations are needed at school, you do need to update that on an annual basis. In terms of COVID, I think the confusing part is that every school is kind of cherry picking what their COVID mitigation strategies are. So I'll give you an example. If a student, let's say your school now has a policy that if a student has tested positive, they can return back to school after five days, but they must wear a mask, properly fitting mask for day six to 10. Now, one of the big considerations there is for students who have tested positive, who are returning to school, let's say day six to 10 with a mask, what happens during lunchtime? Some schools are separating those students out because they could still be actually contagious, even though maybe their symptoms have resolved. They're still within that 10-day time frame. And so those students may have to sit separately from other students during lunch when masks are off. So are those students now back in classrooms? How is that being handled in your child's school? And the confusing part, as I said, is that every school may be doing something differently. I think it's, it's important to know at this point, it's fair to ask your school districts, what are your new COVID mitigation strategies moving into the next school year? What's going to happen to my child, let's say, if he were to be COVID positive and was able to return to school after five days? Where will he eat? What precautions are being taken? What is happening in regards to social distancing? What are the recommendations? Are the students eating in more places within the school community this year? Maybe it's not just the cafeteria. Are they still eating in classrooms? Are they eating in outdoor spaces? I mean, I could go on and on because this is about all about vigilance and being safe. Are teachers and staff trained about food allergies and anaphylaxis? Who's reviewing it and reinforcing it? And then for students with known food allergies, 
are EpiPens available? They must be immediately available. Where are they? Are they with the student at all times, including activities that happen outside of the school building? So safe practices and vigilance around cleaning, things that happen that are most concerning always seem to happen when there's no point of who's in charge at that moment. When there is changing classrooms, going to lockers, we have to know, especially with kids who have any kind of anaphylaxis, you know, who is going to be responsible, especially if there is no school nurse in the building. These are amazing points. It never occurred to me. You're right. If you have to take your mask off or you're moved to a different room for lunch, like say you're sent to the music room. Right. Right. And then a student with allergies goes in to have music class and maybe someone before them's been eating cheese pizza and it is all over the place. So, right. Who's cleaning those table surfaces? It should be performed before and after lunch or after that area is used for any food consumption in the same manner that it would be done in the cafeteria, right? Who's responsible? That's the thing. What adult is responsible? You know, it's fair for a parent to ask for every period of the day, how will things be managed? That's when a parent can feel most comfortable that their child will be in hands of capable staff. And also a student will feel comfortable and, and the staff will feel comfortable as well, because there's nothing, nothing more consequential, I think, on this earth than being responsible for other people's children. I think that's really hit home during COVID for a lot of us. Being responsible for other people's children on a daily basis is one thing. Being responsible in the midst of an ongoing pandemic for now the fourth year, it has really exhausted a lot of us. So we need to regain our composure. We need to refocus. We have to stay vigilant and we have to stay in good communication with our families. And honestly, Family communication during COVID has been an area of difficulty. There have been some unhappy conversations. There have been times that school nurses, truthfully, have felt really spoken rudely to. We are on the same team. So we need, we need to repair, I think, some of the ruptured relationships that have happened during COVID. I can totally see this, even just not even looking at school, but just in general, as we're moving through society, I can see we're struggling a little manners, respect, it's a little tougher. Do you have any tips just right on communication? You know, I, I think we have to remember that our goal is for our students to flourish in school and for our students to flourish, everyone needs to feel safe. They need to feel heard, and that includes staff. We can't help a child who feels dysregulated at school for whatever reason if we ourselves are dysregulated. And COVID has really added a layer of trauma into the picture. Not just COVID, but the other things that are happening right now have added this layer of trauma and unknown. And that impacts how people are relating to each other. So repairing these ruptured relationships means giving each other grace, right? Giving each other space, maybe, you know, having an honest conversation. How can we make sure that we're communicating effectively for your child so that when your child comes to school, you feel that they are in the most capable hands? What needs to happen? What can we do as school nurses What can you do as parents to keep lines of communication open? Because we're on the same team here. We are not on opposite sides, but there have been some really contentious moments 
during COVID, especially that have, I think, opened doors to some incivility that I have never seen in my 22 years as a school nurse. It has been pretty stunning. I I agree with that. I have seen that. So now keeping our focus and going a little deeper on nurses in schools, and, and you did mention this in the beginning we started talking, but can you help listeners understand the responsibilities of the school nurses? I know, like, for example, in my school district, each nurse covers about three to four schools. So that means they're in transit a majority of the time. So knowing that, I knew for my kids, their accommodations and how we handle things is just really key. But if you can help listeners really understand, you know, the day and the life of a school nurse and really what's going on behind the scenes. Right. So your example is a perfect example of a district that has only part-time coverage, where a school nurse could cover three to four different buildings, and they could be miles apart, depending on how rural you are. And so what is reasonable to expect? Probably, most likely, those school nurses are delegating responsibilities to unlicensed assistive personnel, maybe a school secretary, maybe someone else assigned in the building when the school nurse is in another building. And so because of that, school nurses really have to work closely with parents for reasonable accommodations, especially something like having epinephrine available at all times while at school or on school-sponsored trips. Who is responsible for that? Are they making sure it's available? You know, ensuring that staff are provided the student's emergency action plan and that they're trained in signs of anaphylaxis, let's say an epi administration, allergen labeling in the cafeteria. These are some small things, not small, these are huge things, but these are just one little piece of what school nurses are responsible for. They have to make accommodations for safe seating for your child, right? That making sure that hand washing is taught properly and that it's done before and after eating and notifying parents in advance about celebrations or parties so that they can make other accommodations for the child. Is there a health and safety team at your school? Does the school nurse sit on it? Are there parents on that team? Are there parents with students with allergies on that team? And then, of course, also... Ensuring that the child isn't exposed to allergens during other special area classes like art or science or other activities. That's just reasonable accommodations for your child. But in addition to that, school nurses are responsible for the well-being, really, of the entire school, including the staff. So not only do we respond to emergencies. We work with children who have special medical needs, who are medically fragile, new students to the district, new immigrants. We do care coordination. You know, we have to really understand the resources in our school communities. We oftentimes we do workers' comp for staff who are injured at school. The amount of work that we do really needs to be handled by a team. And I think that's one of the things that COVID has taught us that we for too long have tolerated really intolerable and sometimes unsafe Um, working conditions. It is not safe to be responsible for thousands of children in many different buildings. We're going to miss something, right? And that's our biggest fear. Nobody wants to miss anything. It is mind-boggling how much you have to handle truly. Again, that's why you'll always hear from me unending gratitude to school nurses. Because again, I've had the school nurse come to me about field trips and like you said, parties 
and expired epinephrine auto injectors and inhalers. Physicals and screenings that maybe your child was to be referred for a specialist. I mean, it really literally goes on and on. We are, I always say we're the chief well-being officer in a building, whether or not we have that title, that's what we do. And that's who we are. You know, we have not gotten the support or truthfully, sometimes the respect that we really not only deserve, but we need to be able to do this job effectively. We need a team. We are long past the time of one school nurse overseeing multiple buildings. It's not safe, period, the end. Oh boy, I'm 100% with you on that. You really do need a team. And that's why I appreciate you bringing this up on the podcast, because I think it's so important for everyone to truly understand, you know, you are in charge of safety. And we all have to work together and supporting because like you said, the goal is to keep our kids safe at school. That's why we're all participating. That's why we're here and, and for them to flourish and learn. And we know that kids have now You know, a child who's entering sixth grade this year, their last typical school year was first grade because they haven't had a typical school year in four years. That's amazing. Right. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's second grade. (laughs) I'm, I'm counting on my fingers now. But you know what I'm saying? It's many grades ago. And it's so long ago that we can't even keep it straight. But four school years. We have to keep that front and center and do everything we can to not only catch our kids up educationally, but emotionally, cognitively, socially. And it's not just the kids, it's also the staff. We've all experienced a collective trauma from COVID, which doesn't seem to be abating at the moment. Exactly. No, it's true. We're all in there together in our different experiences. So now turning to accommodations, what would you suggest for families in preparing to work with their school nurse? Back to really making sure they're up to date. What's happened since we last had a discussion? Has anything changed? Has your doctor changed? What has changed at home and what is most important for us to understand at school? How much more is your child involved in their own care? Hopefully, as they grow older, they're taking more and more responsibility for you know, whatever the concerns are, whatever the accommodations that they need. And are you including the student in these conversations? It shouldn't just be a discussion between the parent and the school nurse, right? It should be a group discussion and it must include the student because they have a voice in this. And I think sometimes that gets lost. We talk over them or around them and not with them. I feel that what's so important is that we have a conversation as a team and on that team is actually the student. And sometimes they are not part of these discussions. So for the student to really feel empowered, a decision maker in their own care, how do you feel as a parent, including your child, of course, age appropriate in these conversations? You know, for me personally, I'm a huge proponent of that. My kids actually have attended every single accommodation meeting, even when they were little, you know, we're talking kindergarten, first grade, just to be in the room and to stand up and hold up the rescue medication kit. I think it's so important. And also just speaking for fact, that is some of our recommendations to include the student in age appropriate ways. And and you know your child too, maybe you have an anxious child and that can make them a little more nervous. You're going to champion that and decide. But honestly, it has been fantastic having my kids in the meetings because as they aged, I 
started turning over more and more of the discussion to them that by the time they were in high school, I'd say sophomore year, they were 100% in charge. That's and, fantastic. And that's what you want, right? We, we want to grow independent young people who have a say in their, in their own care. So I, that's why I think it needs to start as young as possible. And if it's not happening in your school, suggest it to the school nurse, suggest it to the team. When the child's involved in also explaining their condition, it limits the stigma, it lowers the stigma, and it changes the whole way that they're viewed or seen. What we do know is that students with food allergies, unfortunately, are often ostracized or they are sometimes bullied. And this certainly is one way of saying this is, you know, this is the circumstance. This is how you can be helpful. This is what you can do if in case you see any of these signs or symptoms, bring people into the discussion so that we're not othering people, right? We're centering them in these important conversations. Well, we had a situation where a school nurse turned to my son and said, if you're out on the playground or if you're in the middle of an assembly, how are you going to get our attention? Let's practice that. Mm, fantastic. And she, oh, it was beautiful. She set the stage for teaching him how to communicate in an awkward situation. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was brilliant. And thank goodness he was there. And thank goodness she thought of that. That's a perfect example. Getting information from the child, what works best for them. That's what is most important here. It was fantastic. So now do you have any do's or don'ts for working with a school nurse? My big do is please be respectful. Please understand that our plate is overflowing and that we want to be a team member with you, but that we need the same consideration back, that we are in a partnership for your child's safety. So whatever you can do and we can do to make sure that that happens must be front and center. Please communicate with us. If we're not answering an email, it may be that there's just an influx of emails coming. Try to come to school if it's within your work hours. Call us on the phone. There's so many different ways to reach all of us at this point. Plan ahead. Not all school nurses work through the summer, but most of us are always working at least some of the week before school begins. So let's get a head start on all of these things. Even if you start at the end of this coming school year for the following school year, that works too. And so and if a school nurse says that they're missing something or that they need some additional information, please be our partner in getting it. We don't want anyone to miss unnecessary work time or school time. There's certain medical information that we must have on file to be safe. It's kind of amazing to me in 2022 that we still at this point in many, many parts of this country do not have electronic health records that we share with allergists, with pediatricians, that we're still counting on parents to bring information back and forth. That's one of the things that I would love to see changed. I brought that front and center to the future of nursing, which was a consensus study that's done every 10 years, talking about what the future of nursing is in 10 years from now. And in the 2030 future of nursing, I was actually one of the speakers at a town hall where they were gathering information for the study. And I talked about the importance of electronic health records, of being able to communicate directly electronically with a child's pediatrician, allergist, you know, all of the specialties that we deal with. And, and so whatever we can do to make those lines of communication open and fluid, it would be very helpful. And do you have any don'ts? 
I would say don't assume anything. If you are new to the school, don't assume that the school nurse has everything that they need. Don't assume that the school nurse understands everything about your specific child's responses either. Be really clear about what works best for your child because everyone's different. I think it's fair to want to have a face-to-face meeting and talk about what your experience have been and what you need to see so that you as a parent and the child feels comfortable that they're in the best care. And that will be so helpful to the school nurse at all. And please, please don't be rude. Be a partner be in communication that is respectful and certainly on both sides, right? This is what is most important because also our children are watching how we speak to each other. They are sponges. They are absorbing all of this. So that's my big don't. Let's not repeat what happened last year. That's a fantastic don't. Well, it is hard to believe because I could sit here all day with you, but we really are coming to the end of our time together. How did that happen so fast? I don't understand. It feels super fast, to be honest. I actually am looking at my clock going, are we really here? But we really are here. So is there anything else you would like listeners to hear from you? Yes, I I do. First of all, thank you so much for this opportunity. I love to be able to share the work of school nursing I love to be able to talk to parents about how we can be in partnership, but let's really do everything we can to have the best school year possible in 2022, 2023. We all need a lift, right? We all need to feel that we are on the same team, that we care about the same things, and which is primarily the safety of all of our children, all of our children. So thank you for this opportunity. I hope a year from now, or maybe next summer again, we can talk about what a great school year 2022-2023 was for everyone. I think that's a fantastic goal. Well, thank you again so much, Robin, for your time and your wisdom and actually for your energy that you put out there into the world, into the nation. And listeners, I want to make sure everyone goes over to the show notes because I have a lot of wonderful links of articles and interviews and all sorts of wonderful things that Robin has done and the link to her website, The Relentless School Nurse, which is just a fabulous website. Website, but do stop over there because it's inspiring to see how much is going on. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the negative and everything feels very heavy and very overwhelming, but there's a lot of good conversations happening out there. And so I really do expect that next year we'll have some more positive things to share. That's the goal. There it is. Well, thank you again, Robin. And we'll be seeing you next year, if not sooner. Be well. Thank you. Before we say goodbye today, I just want to say thank you one more time to Amune for being a kind sponsor of Facts Roundtable Podcast. Thank you for listening to Facts Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.